in about 15, 20 minutes, we're going to have some come up and a uh, number of people. We have, I think, five people this morning that are going to be baptized. So uh, I'll tell you right now, it's going to be the highlight of the morning. But I want to share just a few words, kind of a Reader's Digest convert, uh, uh, <clears throat> experience here of as we walk through the story. We're walking through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, getting the understand that this is one seamless story. And this morning we are in the book of First Kings, and we're going to be talking uh, about a man by the name of Solomon. Now, I want you to imagine that you're 20 years old. Anybody here 20? Are there any 20-year-olds? Oh, some liars, okay? <laughs> All right. So if you're 20, you don't have to imagine. But if you aren't 20, I want you to imagine you're about 20 years old, and you're, wake, you're awakened at night, or you have this dream at night, and it's real. It's not just a, a dream. It's actually God speaking to you. And God comes to you and says, you know what? I want you to ask for something. Whatever it is, I want you to ask, what's one thing that you would like? So how would you answer that question? I know I'd answer it. I, you know what I, I know my personality. You know what I'd say? God, could I think about that for a while? <laughs> how many of you are like that? Okay, all you P personalities and the Myers-Briggs, you've got to think about it. I mean, you can't just make a decision on the moment. And so I would think about, and as a 20-year-old, everything that would go through my mind, I mean, the whole gamut from what if... What if whoever I dated would just be absolutely madly in love with me? Anybody in the world I want. <clears throat> or what if I could be the richest person in the world? Of course, I'd use, my, I'd use my money to help other people and very nobly, of course, you know, and, you know, maybe a, <clears throat> I mean, maybe a Mercedes-Benz, but uh, by and large, I would help people. Uh, you know, what if, what if I could be a an MVP in some sport. It could be the most valuable player in, in, in some sport, whatever, whatever that might be. Uh, or I, I could have the highest IQ of anybody on the planet. When somebody came to me that I, I would know how to solve every problem. Of course, then we get more spiritual. and Well, maybe, maybe whoever I shared the gospel with, they would believe. Or, or I'd be a great missionary someplace. I don't know all the things that would go through my mind, but there'd be a lot of things that would go through my mind. This actually happened to a 20-year-old. And we're going to take a moment and, and just look at his life. We see it in 1 Kings, this man coming into power. It says, when King David was old and well advanced in years, he could not keep warm even when they put covers on him. That's how 1 Kings starts out. He obviously had a circulation problem, right? He's getting old. He's about 70 years old. And... Perhaps his life was cut short from all the stress in his family as he made some mistakes in the later part of his life and certainly suffered the consequences of those. But David here is, is passing on, and we don't have time to, uh, to go into it, but there's a, a man here. It's one of his sons. Adonijah is the name of the guy, and he's going to make himself king, one of, one of Solomon's sons. And Nathan the prophet finds out about it. And so they, they have the whole story here of going before King David. And David says, no, it's not going to be Adonijah. It's going to be Solomon. And so Solomon is, is made king. And he's a young man. He's only about 20 years old. And I, I want you to hear 
in 1 Kings 2, 1 to 4. I want you to hear what David says to him. The last words that he says to his son. Chapter 2. Here it is. You'll see it on the wall. Now when the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon his son. I'm about to go the way of all the earth, he said. Be strong. Show yourself a man. So what does that look like? Observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in his ways, keep his decrees and commands, his laws and requirements as written in the law of Moses, so that you may, you may prosper in all you do wherever you go, and that the Lord may keep his promise to me. And this is the promise. If your descendants watch how they live, and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a man on the throne in Israel. That's a very, you should, sometimes you should sit down and reread that. that. That's a very powerful promise, and it's as true today as it was back then. So we see here in 1 Kings 3, in the middle of the night, as a young man, we see the, uh, the story here. Chapter 3. And uh, we see that Solomon here has, has made an alliance with the king of Egypt, and he's getting, he's getting ready to serve here. And we see that in the middle of the night, he has this experience, experience with God. It says that Gibeon, the Lord appeared, this is verse 5, appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream and said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. That's, that's an, that is an amazing opportunity. So here's his answer as a 20-year-old, and this is pretty impressive. You've shown your great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. So Solomon observed this in his dad. You've continue, continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. So, you know, David could have been younger than 20. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count our number. So, here's his request. Give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours. That was his request. That he would know right from wrong so that he could govern these people well. And the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this and said, since you've asked for this and not for long life or wealth, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you've asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart. And listen to this. So that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be someone as wise as you will be. That's an amazing promise. And moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. And then Solomon awoke and he realized it had been a dream. What well, was an amazing response? And so God gives him this wisdom. David, his father, was a warrior. 
Solomon is a builder. He builds the palace. He builds the temple. He builds his. Uh, he builds gardens. He builds. He's. He's. He built up into an amazing, amazing kingdom. He also built alliances. And one of the ways he built alliances was to bring on, bring in as his wives other women who were part of royalty. And I don't know if you know this, but Solomon had 900 wives, and it says, of royal birth. 900 wives of royal birth. And so on one hand, he was smart. Because if your daughter is married to Solomon, you're not going to attack the nation, right? And so he had royalty from all these nations, but as we'll see with that is going to come some serious problems as well. This would also be his downfall. Now, Solomon lives this life. He, he does all this building. He has all this riches. He has all this wealth. And you wonder, what's going on in his head during this time? Wouldn't it be interesting to find a diary of Solomon to discover what he was really thinking? You know what's interesting? We have one. We, we actually have the diary of Solomon. And it, it's called the book of Ecclesiastes. And if you go to that book, I'm just going to read a little bit out of that for you this morning. In chapter 1, it says in verse 12, I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. Now, he's sharing his heart here. I devoted myself to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under heaven. What a heavy burden God has laid on men. And I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. And all of them are meaningless. A chasing after the wind. So, after all of the houses, all of the gardens, all of the pools, all of the flocks, you know, he, he goes on and he, he lists everything that he did there in, in chapter 2. And it's quite a list. Parks, vineyards, uh, Trees, slaves, he said, I own more herds, I amassed silver, I amassed gold, I acquired women singers, a harem, the delights, every delight of my heart. And his conclusion is, it's all empty. I, I made it to the top in every area, I maxed out everything, and, and it's all meaningless. That's the summary of things. Chapter 9, Ecclesiastes we find these words in verse 9. He comes to this conclusion. And it's, it's an interesting statement. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. All your meaningless days, for this is your lot in life, and your toilsome labor under the sun. So he is saying, there are so many things in life that we do that in the end, they're really meaningless. I remind you that these are words from one of the wisest men that ever lived. And so at the very end, at the very end, this is his conclusion. We'll come back to this. 
Now that all has been heard, here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. We'll look at that in just a moment at the end here. So, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11. This is what it says. You see it up on the wall. And this was written in, in 1 Corinthians we find, it says, these things happen to them. He's talking about people in the Old Testament before us. These things happen to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages have come. And so what happened to Solomon was written as an example for you and I here today. Those of us who, uh, on whom the end of the ages has come. In other words, we're living in the later chapters of the story. We may be very near the end of the story. And so these are written for our instructions. So I'm going to give you just a few things to think about this morning. And uh, you may want to take these, jot them down, and uh, here are some of the lessons. And there are probably there's a lot more lessons here. You might want to just ponder, but I'm going to give you just a few one of the things is, is that we see in the life of Solomon, we see the solemn hand, the sovereign hand of God. You know, in the very beginning of the story, if you read, Adinajah is trying to orchestrate making himself king, and Solomon's kind of a helpless young kid. And you know what God does? God intervenes through Bathsheba and through, uh, and through David's mighty men, and through Nathan the prophet, and God's plan is to, get, is to get Solomon as the next king, and he does exactly that. So here's one of the lessons you see from the life of Solomon. Maybe there's something in your life that you're trying to force, or you're trying to make happen, or you're trying to manipulate in life or in somebody else. There's a lesson here about allowing... God to work out his sovereign plan to let him write that story and to give up the need to try and control other things or other people around you. You might want to think about that. Here's another one. We see the result of an unselfish request. You know, Solomon could have asked for anything, but he asked for something that would help him serve other people. You know, if you ask God for something that will help you serve other people, God's more than likely probably going to give that to you. And not only will he give that to you, but when God sees a selfless attitude within us, he tends to give us more things. Isn't it like that with your kids? I mean, if your kids are being really selfish, you're not going to give them much of anything. But if they're being selfless, you'll tend to give them even things that they don't ask for. And we see that lesson here in the life of Solomon. A third thing, that lesson that we have from, from Solomon is these volumes of godly wisdom. And so we have the book of Proverbs, 31 chapters. Many people I know of read one chapter every day in their devotions or every week, whatever it is, and that way they go through Proverbs once every 31 days, once a month. These are words written by, the Bible says, the wisest man that ever did live or ever will live. 
You'll find more wisdom in the book of Proverbs than you'll find anywhere. And so we, we see here, he speaks on everything. You know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you seek my words as treasure, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord. Think about that. He talks about all kinds of practical areas. He talks about the seductive power of sexual temptation. He talks about the dangers of the tongue, the importance of discipline, the benefits of many counselors, money, pride, conflict, business, home, just about any topic you will find in the book of Proverbs. And then we have the insight of Ecclesiastes. We have Song of Songs, a celebration of love between a man and a wife, a metaphor of, of Christ in the church. And so we see here that Solomon's life starts off pretty well, God's blessing him, and then towards the end, there is a crash. His life crashes, and, you know, he lived, he, he lived probably, at the most, he was probably, uh, he lived to be 60 years of age. I, I have lived longer than Solomon. I think his life was cut short because he did not, in the end of his life, do what God had asked him to do. Now, what's the first thing you look for when a plane goes down? What's the first thing you look for? Survivors, right? Okay. What's the second thing you look for? The black box, right? You hear about it all the time. When the plane goes down, you look for the black box because you want to understand why it crashed. So I'm going to read you the black box of Solomon's life. The black box is found in 1 Kings chapter 11. And here's the, here's the black box that describes the reason for the crash in his life. Chapter 11 and verses 1 to 4. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonites, and Hittites, and they were from nations about which the Lord had told Israel, you must not intermarry with them, because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. So there it is. The last thing we, we learn here is the specific example as we see the dangers of compromise in love and in marriage. And we live in a day with great deviation from Marriage and what's going on this very week, Tuesday, be in prayer. The Supreme Court will be deciding if states have the right to define the definition of marriage. You know, God has a copyright on, on marriage, but we have ignored that copyright. And we have lived in a day with all kinds of perversion of every sort. And it's disobedience to God. And we see here in the life of Solomon that this was his downfall. So here's the final thing <clears throat> I want to say. I think this is the greatest lesson we learned from the life of Solomon. And that is from the wisest man on earth, 
as he summarized his whole life and everything he had and everything he did, he summed it up in one simple phrase. And uh, this is the main, if you want to be happy in life, if you want to be content, if you want to be blessed in life, then here's what you do. This comes from the words of Solomon. The final analysis is this. Fear God and keep his commands. That word fear means to respect and be in awe of who God is. That means if you will understand who God is and be in respect and awe of him, to see him as he really is. And then you will obey him. Uh, If you will not depart from the words of this book, I will bless your life. And so... Solomon says it's not about sex and it's not about money and it's not about fame and it's not about buildings and all this stuff. He said the summation of it in the end that it's about fearing God and keeping his commands. And so that is the goal for each one of us.